Hey guys, my guest tonight, Timothy Renner, and I will be talking about Mysterious Pennsylvania, Exploring Toad Road, and The Seven Gates of Hell. I'll be right back. Grab your popcorn and snacks, find a comfy spot, take a seat or lie down, and let me transport you to a place of fantasy, ghost stories, ancient legends, odd creatures, alien encounters, and other magical topics. You may even decide to join the conversation. From faraway lands to your own backyard, with a small dash of pixie dust, turn out the lights and open your minds. The journey is about to begin. Hey, how's everything going today? Happy Thursday. That much closer to the weekend. Hope everybody had a great day. I have so far. See my kid back there. He's all ready for Santa. Not even Thanksgiving yet. Some people. Anyway, my name is Charlotte. I'm going to be your host for the next hour. I'm also the owner of the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team based out of Sacramento, California. We are 45 strong up and down the state of California, which means if you have a paranormal need, we can get to you. It might take us a couple days. California is a huge state. but we will get to you. And in the case, whoa, what was this? I'm having one of those nights, you guys. I'm really having one of those nights. I can tell. Okay, let me get rid of that. I got too many of those. Sorry about that. I uh, <laughs> mean, my buttons. Anyway, uh, we do have psychics on staff that can call you and do a consultation before we even come out. So usually it takes us, like I said, no more than two or three days because California is so big. But our psychics can give you a call and talk with you. And in, so, in most cases, they can calm the energy down long enough for, get, for us to get out there and, and do our thing. So uh, if you're interested in that, that's, contact us. You can find us on Facebook under California Haunts Radio, California Haunts, the Sacramento Sears, S-E-E-R-S, as in Greek Sears. You can find us over on Instagram under Ghosty Gal, all lowercase. Uh, we're, we're over on TikTok, too, under uh, California Haunts. We're on YouTube under California Haunts Radio. That's YouTube.com forward slash at California Haunts Radio. We're also on Twitter under California Haunts, and I believe we're Cal Haunts at Twitch. So you can find us in multiple places. You can Google us, and we'll just pop right up, even our meetup page, right? Okay, that being said, if you haven't done so already and you're watching from Facebook tonight, please be sure to hit that follow button because we're always looking to expand our followers. Uh, and plus, you know, comment. Comment during the show. Comment during the show. Give us, give us thumbs up and all that good stuff because that helps with the what they call the FYP, which the, the Facebook – Facebook. The computer at Facebook will see that, and they'll put us in a different category, which gets us out to more people. Okay? So that's why I encourage participation so much. Okay? Um, YouTube, same thing. We're trying to hit that big thousand subscriber mark by December or even New Year's. You know, if you haven't joined up yet on YouTube, subscribe. It doesn't cost anything. There's 800 and some odd videos sitting over there. All of this show, all the different topics that we cover. So you can sit there at your heart's content and go through that. And then I have put them in categories, in folders, so you don't have to search all the time. Because when I go in there and see the front page of my my, my, my uh, stuff, it, it gives me a headache. So I decided to, like, categorize everything. So it's a lot easier to find. If, if, you're, in, if you're into, you know, psychics, Nancy Mass is available. You can find her file. Anything on UFOs, cryptids, everything's got their own file. All right. Okay, that being said, my guest tonight, I'm really excited about this is I've read a couple of his books over the years. And uh, he's an excellent writer, excellent researcher, and we're going to be talking about Pennsylvania. I haven't talked, I don't think I've had anybody on here to talk about Pennsylvania. So we're going to be talking about that, the seven gates of hell, Toad Road. So that's the goal today. All right, so that's what we're going to be doing. So I'm going to bring him on in a second here, and I'll let him tell you about himself, because you guys know how I am about that stuff. Timothy Renner is with us tonight. So let me bring him on in. Well, hello. Hello. How you doing, sir? Doing all right. How are you doing? Great. Yeah, it's fantastic weather here. I love it. I want it to stay like this all the time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're having... Fall is my time of year. At least 110 days in the summer. <laughs> oh. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> talk um, about the seven gates of hell. <laughs> yeah, I don't I do not do summer. And it, it's like people talk about uh, what they call it, seasonal affective disorder or whatever in the yes. winter. Not me. 
I'm out all winter long. I get I get it in the summer because it's too hot for me. So That's why up... my workouts is winter because it's yeah. too hot for me to do any kind of workouts or anything. Absolutely. Yep. I agree one hundred percent. Agreed. Tell me about you, sir. Oh my goodness. Well, as far as the paranormal goes, um, I sort of loved it since I was a kid. I grew up. I like to say I grew up in the golden age of Bigfoot. You know, there was. Uh, well, I was born a couple years after the Patterson Gimlin film was was filmed, and then. As I was growing up, I was born in 1970, so I had In Search Of to watch. I had uh, all those great old Bigfoot documentaries and movies like The Legend of Boggy Creek and so forth, which really fired me up when I was a kid. And I I love Bigfoot uh, most of all, but I also was interested in any sort of ghost story, any, any sort of, you know, somebody told me like, oh, there's a ghost story, you know, down the road or whatever. I'd bug my parents like, hey, I want to go to that place. I didn't know. This was folklore. I didn't, you know, it just was cool stuff to me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, as I grew up, I, I kind of got out of this stuff because of girls and punk rock and, you know, the, all those you. interests that, that you get into when you're a teenager. But when I came, I got in my 20s and had kids and then settled down and stuff, I got the internet. And I, one day I just typed in Bigfoot. And I was like, I wonder what's going on with that. And, mm-hmm. you know, I not having paid attention for decades, I thought like, you know, it had sort of faded away, but the, the, all of a sudden I find, no, there's, there's tons of stuff out there. And there's, in fact, there's local sightings to me and where I was living in Pennsylvania and, and it just kind of fired me up and I, I got back in, into it all. Once again, ghosts, Bigfoot, UFOs, give me everything. I love that stuff. I was like you, like Bigfoot, you know, right at the height of Bigfoot. Mm-hmm. And I remember we were on a trip to Northern California into Seattle and all those places and we went to visit Mount Rainier, and that was the first bi- major Bigfoot book that I ever got. Was on top, was on, at the top of Mount Rainier. It was big, it was a green book. I still have it, the Bigfoot case book. And I treasure that. And I have like five or six different big Sasquatch books back in here, you know. So mm-hmm. like you and I grew up in a haunted house. So I, you know, I've been, I had some abilities when I was young because I was seeing stuff. And then like you say, we get busy. Life gets in the way. Yeah. We become a teenager. Boom, boom, boom. So I didn't realize that I even. I, oh, I forgot I had them because you don't know what they are when you're seeing stuff anyway. So mm-hmm. I didn't find out until I was already in my 30s that I had abilities. Oh yeah, yeah. Explained a lot of shit that went on during you know that, that went on during my life too. Yeah, yeah. It's like I was never like I had seen a UFO when I was young, and I wasn't really that mm-hmm. into UFO. I liked them; I mean, they were cool, but it wasn't like I was really into Bigfoot. You'd think, having seen a UFO, I would have been more into that. Right. But then, you know, later on, I'm getting visited by something you know at in my college years at night and i didn't know what it was until mm-hmm. i stumbled upon uh, uh, a tv show that was about alien abduction stuff and i was like whoa what is it you know and uh i'm not saying that's what it was in fact if we're, it's off this topic but it, at some time if you want to talk right. about it kind of right. describe what it is i don't think i ever left my bed um i think whatever happens is like an out-of-body experience that happens with that but mm-hmm. You know, I still I didn't know what was going on until you know I, I started reading about other people. I was like, whoa, and that's what that was, you know. So fascinating. Yeah. I think I've been abducted too. I'm not positive, but I think I suspect. I yeah. had a couple of things happen over the years. Yeah, I, I the people who that's the thing with this stuff. It's like I don't know how it's connected, but it all seems to be connected somehow. Mm-hmm. I, and I can't tell you how, but it just it does. And so many people I talk to have more than one thing you know it's like oh yeah i've seen ghosts but also i've seen bigfoot or i've seen bigfoot but also i feel like i have these abduction experiences etc etc and Mm -hmm. in the old days uh, i think the researchers used to say oh those are the crazy people but the more now i think it's it's way more common than people thought in the old days Mm -hmm. i agree i agree 100 yeah so tell me about your book about the about Pennsylvania, your, your your studies and their activity and weird stuff going on. Can you tell me about some of that? Sure. Yeah. So when I moved to York County, Pennsylvania, it was in the 90s and the Internet was very young. And I um, first thing I did is I asked everybody around, like, where's the spooky stuff? Mm-hmm. So where, where Where's that stuff? And people told me about a couple places. There's one place called Hex Hollow, which is sort of possibly tied into this to this story and that is uh where a, a guy uh who 
was suspected of witchcraft. He's he's he wasn't. He he was a local. He's kind of like a faith healer. Mm-hmm. But uh, these local guys killed him, and uh, the area around where his house was is, is known as Hex Hollow. So they told me about that, and then they told me about Toad Road, and no one could really tell me too much what, what went on there. My wife said she went to camp near there, day camp, and she said the only thing I can tell you is that. The, the kids at camp said, don't look behind you on Toad Road. Now, that was the only story I ever heard about that. And then I, I heard about this thing called the Seven Gates of Hell, and they put it in two places. In the 90s, people would tell me it was either in a, a cemetery in New York City called Prospect mm-hmm. Hill, or it was in that place called Hex Hollow. And the way it worked in either place was you had to know this certain route, a cir- sort of a circuitous route, and you had to know this special route either through the cemetery roads or the roads in the hollow. Mm-hmm. And as you made this circuit, it would open up not a physical gate, but sort of a, a symbolic gate every with and each one you opened with each circuit you did it, things got spookier and scarier and so forth. This was never associated with Toad Road back before mm-hmm. the internet. So I'm part of a early like sort of legend tripping group. Uh, I don't know if you remember Yahoo groups. It was an yes. email group. For, I had for, stuff, yeah. stuff in there too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For local, it was like local legends and stuff. And there was a well-meaning, but kind of um, uh, they weren't too they weren't sticklers for the truth. Let's put it that way. Group mm-hmm. of legend trippers that would they seem to go out every weekend, and then they would come back on Monday to this email group and say, "We we found it out. We figured out the legend of blank, whatever it was." They lived in another county, sort of a. Uh, northeast of of york county where i I live where where toad road is and one monday i open up my email for the groups and it says we did it we figured out the legend of toad road and i was like what i was like oh i I want to read this so i'm reading it and they they said oh it's that's where the seven gates of hell are Mm -hmm. i said well i never heard that i heard they were somewhere else and then they proceed to tell this outrageous story about uh an insane asylum that was built out there that burnt down and the, the patients ran through the woods and the, and the people were so scared that they went, killed the patients in the woods and just really outrageous and, and things that should be in the newspaper if they really happened. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, ah, this doesn't sound right. So I went to my father-in-law who has, he does genealogy and he has old maps of the area. And I started looking at these maps going back, they go back to the, you know, way before insane asylums existed, let's put it that way. And never, never was there any kind of structure out there that would meet the uh, the definition of an insane asylum. In fact, there's never been an insane asylum in York County. Hmm. Uh, people with mental issues would have gone to the almshouse before York Hospital, and then once York Hospital was built, they were there's a room for them there. Mm-hmm. Trying to be delicate with the way you talk about it. Absolutely. Uh, so there was just never a dedicated building like that in, in York County. So I came back with that information. I said, Nope, you guys got it wrong. This can't, can't be, there's nothing like that out there. And they immediately changed their story and said, no, there's a mad doctor who lived out there and he kept patients in his basement. And then his you know house burnt down and et cetera, et cetera. Same, same story. They just changed it to his house instead of the house. Sure. Well, unfortunately for his legacy, there was a doctor who lived at the end of Toad Road. Uh, he did not work. He was not did not work with mental patients. He was a cardiologist. He worked. He was a veteran of both world wars. Um, he was a, kind of a stand up guy. He did a lot of work for the poor and and aged folks. A lot of you know free medical services and stuff. Mm-hmm. So it really kind of left a bad taste in my mouth that that they accused this guy. Well, they didn't accuse him. This guy got got kind of brought into the story because of where he lived. And I like to say he might've been an angry doctor because people came out to his property. Even back then they would legend trip out there before the seven gates of hell legend. And he had to run people off his property. So he might've been angry, but he was not a mad doctor. He, you know, mm-hmm. um, so I just was like, nah, you guys are, are getting it wrong. Thought I disproved it. You know, I, once again, kind of said no i don't i don't think this is right and then the weird pennsylvania book happens 
And mm-hmm. the, I don't know if you've seen the Weird USA books. Mm-hmm. They've had mm-hmm. one for every state, I think. They, they contacted me when they did the Weird USA book and they said, hey, can we, I had written an article in Hex Hollow for a magazine, another magazine. They said, hey, can we use this article? I said, yeah. And they said, will you take photographs for that and for the, the Toad Road article we're going to do? Mm-hmm. I said, yes, but please let me proofread your Toad Road article because there's a lot of nonsense out there. Mm-hmm. Well, here they print the, the, the nonsense story. It was like almost copy and pasted from what these kids wrote back on this email list about this insane asylum and all this nonsense and put my pictures next to it. And nice. I was like, right when they did that, I went, wow. I'm fixing this. I'm going to fix this somehow. I got to, I got to find the real story. And I didn't know what the real story was, but mm-hmm. I knew, I knew weird stuff happened out there. Cause I, from people I talked to local people. So it wasn't, I wasn't trying to disprove that weird things happened. I was just trying to let's get the true story rather than make stuff up. Let's get a true story. And then we can sort of figure out, maybe try to figure out why weird stuff does happen out there. Mm-hmm. So that was my goal. So I started writing and it was originally going to be an article and it, it exploded into a book. And the first half of the book kind of breaks down this legend and proves that it could not be and that it was not. Mm-hmm. And the second half of the book looks into uh, the weird stuff that does happen out there. You know, there, there's plenty of weird reports out there. They just have nothing to do with insane asylums and burning mansions and mad doctors and, and so forth. Uh, in fact, a lot of it sounds like cryptid activity, really, from what people were reporting. Mm-hmm. Things following them through the woods, you know, screams at night, uh, red eyes, you know, staring from the trees too high up in the trees, people would say. Things like that. Um so I started looking into that and I found one of the things that, that really broke it open for me is I found a newspaper report from 1974, I believe. And it named a guy and I'm not going to give his name because he doesn't want to be contacted. Right. But it named a guy and uh, it said he was attacked by, a, quote unquote, a green haired monster. This is what the newspaper said in 1974 on uh, on a road that's basically the, the road that turns into Toad Road. So I look for him and I look for him and I look for him. And I finally found him in the phone book. He was no internet presence at all. I finally find, found someone by that name in the phone book and I wrote him a letter, good old fashioned letter with a stamp and everything. And I said, I would like to talk to you about this incident. I think I might've put a copy of the newspaper article in the letter. I'm not sure, but I, I, I said, I'd love to talk to you about this. Here's my phone number. If you call me, I'd really appreciate it. Well, he called me up and he said, wow. He said, what? I did not expect to hear from anybody about this. Mm-hmm. He's like, I haven't talked about this in you know decades. And he starts telling me the story. And he said, uh, when he was, he was a teenager, but he was driving age. And he said he went out there and uh, it was a place to go for spooky. People went out there for, for spooky reasons to be, you know, legend tripping and stuff. Again, it just didn't have to do with gates to hell and all that stuff. Right. And he went out there one night and he said he was by himself. He just didn't have anything to do. So he just drove out there and his car wouldn't start. I don't know if he turned it off or if it stalled, but he couldn't get it started back up. And he said he kept hearing something brush up against his car. He could feel his car move when something like hit it or bumped up against it, but he couldn't see anything. Mm-hmm. He's looking in his rearview mirror and he's looking in his side mirrors. He couldn't see anything. Now this is obviously before cell phones, you know. And right. he says it's getting later and later, and he just has to make a call, like decide what he's going to do. Car won't start. He says, "I, I just." going to get out and run. He was so scared. He said, so he said he, he got out and he just started running. And he said to me, I ran into, and this is his quote, a hairy monster. And it, and it beat me down. Like he said, it beat him down. And the article, it says he was sent to the hospital with scratches. Mm-hmm. And he said, no, he said, I was sent to the hospital for a week. He said, I had a head injury. So I was in the hospital for a week after that. And I asked him, I said, well, first I asked about the green, green hair. I was like, was it, was it green? It's because it says in the article it was green. He said, mm-hmm. I don't remember saying it was green. He said, uh, he said, I said it was a hairy thing. So I'm wondering if the police put that 
in the article to make it sound more ridiculous, you know, kind of make the report sound goofy or something. But then he, he, I said, well, did you, do you think it was Bigfoot? And I, he just paused. It was just this long, quiet pause on the phone. And he went, you know what? Maybe it was. And he got, like, you could tell he got kind of scared. Mm-hmm. And I would call him. I was trying to get him on my podcast. I was trying to get, get the, the full timeline of this encounter. And he would talk and he would give me a few sentences at a time. And then he would change the subject, but change the subject every oh. time. And finally, one time I called and he said, he said, you know, my, my girlfriend hates when you call me. I said, why is that? He said, cause I wake up screaming for two weeks. I have nightmares and I wake up screaming after talking to you from this encounter. And he said, so, and that was the last time he would talk to me. You wouldn't take my calls anymore. I don't mm-hmm. want to harass the guy. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to bug him, but that really sort of, shook me and and broke things open and again with these other encounters people were having out there um i have had some of my own encounters out there as well after the first book i I wrote a second book Mm -hmm. but the as i'm doing my research i always have in the back of my mind what my wife said the first story i heard about toad road was don't look behind you on toad road Mm -hmm. i stumbled upon this pennsylvania folklore and this thing called the hide behind and the story with the hide behind, and it comes from, this is a, obviously a, an anglicized name for something. And they, but the, supposedly the, the Native Americans told the Europeans when they first got here about the hide behind. Obviously, they would have had a different name for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but they said, whatever this thing is, you have to, the bravest people have to be the last in line when walking through the woods. Because only the bravest people can be relied on not to look behind them. Don't look behind you. And that everything clicked. Everything fell into place. It's like, that's my that's the story my wife told me. And it kind of wove together in this nice, neat little package. And, I, you know, I was so excited when I found that. Mm-hmm. And, of course, that plays on the whole, you know, missing 411 stuff with, like, the last person in line getting abducted and all that. But uh, it, it really sort of fell together. And since then, I've made other discoveries. People always... Locally, they would always be like, why is it called Toad Road? And people said the 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 doctor had uh, toad sculptures around his house. I said, that sounds weird. And I went back and I found to the Historical Society. I found old um, photos of his house because he, he bought a very old property there and, and improved it. And they, they documented this in the, in the 50s. He completely rebuilt it and made this beautiful property. Not a statue to be found, not a toad statue to be found. I thought that's weird. And and then finally I figured it out um, because there's a series of sort of locks and, and, uh, and remnants of, of dams and stuff along this Cadores uh-huh. Creek. Uh, Toad Road runs right along the creek. And I read somewhere that, that someone had built that road, um, a certain local company. And in the 1800s, about 1830, 1820, 1830, they built that as a towpath to, to take barges from York city up to out to the Susquehanna river. So it's a towpath, it's a tow road. And mm-hmm. then just whispering down the lane over time, it got turned into toad road. You know, people that just the sort of lazy local accent. People like ah, toad, on tow road. And somebody heard, said tow road and somebody else heard toad road. And, and that's how it got turned into that. So uh, yeah, but it's this amazing place and people continue to have experiences out that way. Lately, it's been turned from private land into a state park, which I think is a great thing because, A, it kind of dispels some of the mystery. People can actually get out there and look at it without trespassing. And, B, it's going to, I think, open it up to more experiences that I'm going to get because more people will be going out there. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. Mm -hmm. I'm fascinated because your history, Pennsylvania, goes back a lot farther than our history out here in California. Yes, but you do have the advantage of, of uh, having a, a consistent, uh, if you can get them to talk, I know you can't always get them to talk, so, but Native American history, mm-hmm. where on these, a lot of people say, well, what, what did the, the local natives say? But well, the Susquehannocks, who were the local tribe, are gone. There's nothing mm-hmm. left. No one preserved their language, their folklore, anything. Uh, the other tribes that were here, you know, they've been kind of dispersed over the years. They just, they didn't preserve that history and that folklore as, as well as uh, some of the, the tribes 
out west. I know that. So, you know, we trade one thing for another, I suppose. When you talk about, and and, and we'll talk about the, the, the seven gates of hell. When you talk about Pennsylvania as a whole, as far as activity or, or strange stories like that go, which one do you think stands out the most? Is, is it the Toad Road thing or is, is there something else that stands out? Um, Toad Road is pretty local to to my area and in fact i think there's another even in pennsylvania there's another seven gates of hell that's another thing that kind of cued me into this there's a lot of urban legends around the country where people have very similar similar things um it has gotten more famous i think because of the weird usa weird pennsylvania books and because of my Mm -hmm. book and me you know i've been on coast to coast and stuff talking about it but i think in general probably just the the um and i forget the the name of it well gettysburg is huge gettysburg is you know mm-hmm. like it or not they claim to be the most haunted town in the world i think they, i'm sure some other towns would argue with them about that but i mean they they that's a massive uh place for paranormal activity uh so that's probably a little bit more well known than, than toad road and then just the general idea i think of the uh the Pennsylvania Bigfoot UFO connection with researchers like right. Stan Gordon and stuff have established has been really big too. Right. Um, you talk about get, let's talk about Gettysburg for a couple of minutes and, and I know it's off topic tonight, but let's talk uh-huh. about that because there's a lot of interesting stories of people running into these ghosts. Like I remember the one about the woman that had, had a pickup truck and she offered to pick up reenactors. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's a good story. And driving, driving back to their, their their B&B or wherever they were staying. And she dropped off the last guy, and she's looking in a rearview mirror, and, there, and there's like four or five sitting back there. And she thought they were all reenactors. Mm-hmm. But these ghosts had literally ridden with her back, you know, back to her house, wherever she was going. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's so much history with the with the Civil War there. Mm-hmm. And what's, what I find interesting, it's it's tied into another one of my books and I didn't know how, how this was going to, I sort of have to write an appendix or an updated version. I wrote a book called the witch cloud on about two haunted bridges in Gettysburg. One is the very famous one. You, if they do like a haunted Gettysburg thing on, on TV, they usually cover this bridge. It's called Sachs covered bridge. Hmm. A lot of people had experiences there, but there's another bridge that the locals would talk about and they would call it suicide bridge. And this is a, this bridge wasn't there during the civil war. It, it was built in the late 1800s. Like I want to say 1870, 1880 around them. Mm-hmm. It's an iron bridge. And of course that name suicide bridge, boom, you know, starts ringing bells. Like what went on there? And the first time I heard about that is I, I was at a paranormal conference in Scranton. So, you know, Northeastern part of the state, well away from Gettysburg. And I heard this ghost hunting. I just overheard this ghost hunting group say, oh, the scariest place in, in Gettysburg is Suicide Bridge. And I followed it away. It's like, okay, I have to figure out where this is. And they were talking about things like they said, oh, yeah, we were there and something was banging on the bridge and we couldn't see it. And, of course, my my Bigfoot you know, sense goes, oh, was that a ghost or was that something else? And mm-hmm. uh, went there. And the first time I went there, I was kind of like, eh, I I'm not, you know, I wasn't getting big spooky vibes or anything from it, but I did capture a a photo of an orb on the bridge. Didn't see that till later. So I'm looking through through my photos. But then uh, years later, I went, my investigation partner and I were were hiking at the battlefield at night and you have to be off. I think at that time you had to be off at 10 p.m. I don't think you're allowed to be on there at night at all anymore. So it got to be 10 o'clock or whenever we had to go. And I was like, well, I said, we can still go to this this suicide bridge place mm-hmm. and we went there and i told him i was like, ah, i think there's nonsense legends about people having hanged themselves on this bridge i again i looked in the newspaper there nothing i could find nothing about anyone hanging themselves that's the local legend though and we went there and he got he's a very sensitive person uh, mm-hmm. as far as this stuff goes and he immediately the, the hair on it i mean you, i could see the hair on his arms just stand up mm-hmm. and he said there's there's something about this place and we met people on the bridge and we started interviewing them and we were getting poltergeist activity while we're interviewing him. literally you could hear the bridge like knocking and banging while mm-hmm. we're interviewing him. and people other people have said like oh that's just the you know things settling you know hot in the day cold at night we've been there 
all times of day or night. And we've had the, this, these knocking and this banging, um, very, very strange stuff. So we really dug in to these two haunted bridges and we connected them because they're basically on the same road. You can walk back and forth from one to the other. Uh, one of the really, really interesting things I think is that on the covered bridge, there's a story of Confederate soldiers who were hanged there. Supposedly they were hanged as deserters as, as the Confederates were leaving Gettysburg. Well, the problem with that is, um, they didn't have a lot of time when they were retreating to hang people. Uh, they probably deserters. They would they had bullets. They uh -huh. probably would have just popped them in the head and been done with it. As uh -huh. unpleasant as that is, they're not going to take the time to, to, to a hanging as they're retreating. And the, if you talk to the park historians, they'll tell you, no, this never happened. However, many instances, people talking about seeing these, these figures hanged from this covered bridge. What's happening there? Many people talking about talking to these suicide victims on the other bridge. Mm -hmm. Can't find any suicide. And I, I thought like, well, maybe people are bringing some kind of energy to this. Right. Mm -hmm. And whatever's there is sort of playing with that energy. Right. You want, you want to see a hang guy? Okay. I'll show you a hang guy, even though it didn't happen here. You know, mm -hmm. whatever's there is happy to, to show you that. Mm -hmm. um, I think this happens with a lot of like sort of haunted places where people, these stories start to change the nature of, of the hauntings in a sense. And that became really fascinating for me. I, 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 people come to see me and they want to, you know, experience something paranormal. There's two places I'll take them that are pretty dependable. One would be that suicide bridge. And again, the, the stories are not true about people having suicide, but there is paranormal activity mm -hmm. there. And there's another place uh, near toad road that I go to, we call it site seven just because it's private property, just to give it mm -hmm. a code name. Mm -hmm. But uh, I would take them there because we see weird lights there consistently. So, um, yeah. So Gettysburg is a very interesting place. Very interesting. I, I, I love it. And what I didn't, I, I meant to get around to this. There's a story of a great big uh, battle there before, hundreds of years before the Europeans got here. It's a Native American battle that happened. And they based this on, on uh, finding a lot of... Um, axe heads arrowheads and and human remains mm -hmm. and they said it was at the indian field and i was reading about it in the old newspapers they said they, they found these these uh artifacts in what they call the indian field well in modern times the indian field is located some about near devil's den if you ask somebody where's the indian field we'll mm -hmm. tell you they are locals but i went i happened to be at the uh they have a new museum in gettysburg i happened to be there uh the day after halloween with my wife, it's called the Museum of the Citizenry. And it's the only museum in town that's not super focused on the battle. It's more focused on the people and the history of Gettysburg. And they have, they talk about the pre-European times and they talk about this battle and they locate this Indian field right by that Eisenhower bridge. So do I think that's what's causing the haunting? No, but I think something draws this stuff there like why do these two mm -hmm. huge battles happen in gettysburg i think something draws people there i think something draws that you know people there for for haunting still not necessarily you know the battle doesn't hurt certainly right but like right. i said they're seeing things that didn't necessarily happen but that's something's there that's willing to play with people's imagination or something sure sure when you were talking about the bridge it reminded me of a haunted bridge that is a, I'm, not, I'm not going to say where, but there's this little town here in Northern California, in the Gold Country. And there's stories of, because it had, the town itself had a gallows where they, where they hung the first woman in California, I think is the story. But I also heard stories about people who were hung from this bridge over the river. Well, what's interesting about this, and I never could explain it, because I, you know, you get out in the field, stuff starts happening, and you're going to check all the seismology reports. You're going to check everything to make sure right. that this stuff wasn't going on. Well, if you go out there at night after 11 p.m., and the town's small enough anyway, no one's going to be moving around. Mm -hmm. There's just no way. But if you stand on that bridge long enough, it'll vibrate mm. for no reason. Mm -hmm. You know? And I'm just saying standing. You're not walking on it, so you're not causing a vibration or anything. Right. right. Boom. And so the rumor is that that's the people that were swinging from, from the bottom of the bridge that is causing mm -hmm. this. So that's what I was thinking of when you were talking about that bridge in Gettysburg. 
I, there's something as well bridges i like like one of the things we look at with this stuff is you know so-called liminal places mm -hmm. you know, these sort of in-between areas and like is there a more in-between area than a bridge you know it's literally mm -hmm. between one area and another that they seem perfect for haunting there's a one of the books i i got when i was doing the research is like haunted bridges of america or something this guy lists tons of haunted bridges throughout america but not once does he delve into like why would bridges be haunted he just like mm -hmm. these are the haunted bridges which is great. It's great. Like if you want to go on a haunted bridge trip, it's a great, you know, book to have. But um, to me, it's like, well, no, why? Why are bridges haunted? Like, why uh -huh. would they be haunted? So it might be the water too. I mean, that's another right. thing I, I ask whenever, whenever I get called out on a, and I, I don't know if this is because of Pennsylvania or not. I need to talk to other people about this, but there's several things I ask uh, other than the normal Bigfoot questions. If I get called out on a Bigfoot sighting, it's, you know, Ask all, you know, what was the weather like, blah, 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 blah. But one of the things I ask is, where's the nearest creek? And I've never had someone tell me there's no creek around here. Not once. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There's always a, a creek very close by. But that said, Pennsylvania has a ton of creeks. So, mm -hmm, I, mm -hmm. you know, it's it's hard to know if I'm uh, barking up the, the wrong tree with that or not. But, that you know, there is always a creek nearby, seems to be. So, who knows? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Let's talk about the seven gates of hell. Sure. Tell me how that came about to be, you know, a legend, and tell me about why is it called that. Well, so the legend was that that these seven gates were set up, and that as people passed through, things got spookier and spookier, and, and all the legends seem to say no one ever gets through the seventh gate, or if they do, they no one's seen them again. Now I've I've had people since the like that internet legend, I've had people tell me, oh yeah, I went out there and I got through the fifth gate. I'm like, what? I've been out there a million times. There's one gate. There's one gate at the end. There's like an old farm gate. And then people who have been out there will start saying things like, well, it's there's there's fallen trees that count as gates. I'm like, well, <laughs> there are fallen trees, but there's way right. more than seven. So you got to point out which which ones. And I've walked the whole road end to end, back and forth several times, sometimes more than once in a day. And, you know, where are these gates, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, so how the legend started, the, the closest thing I can come up with is um, there was a sort of an itinerant preacher who was going around in the 50s. And he had it, his big sermon was the seven gates of hell. And I wonder if he came through here and it just stuck. I mean, it is a very catchy term. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it sounds neat, right? So, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. My book on it's called Beyond the Seventh Gate. It's a very, very catchy neat then i wonder if it just stuck and mm -hmm. there, in my first book i did a lot of gate debunking and i was contacted by people older people and the people i want to talk to about toad road are, are people who are my age or older like in their 40s or older sure. people who were around before the internet story mm -hmm. and uh the people that be, that were contacting me were like no 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 there was a gate out there tim and we did go there for spooky things but it was just one gate and I went, oh, okay. So there was a gate out there. It was at the end of Dr. Belknap's property, that doctor's property. And that's where they, people would go. And uh, again, the legend was that somebody had hanged themselves from this gate, this big iron gate. I can't find any record of that. Doesn't mean it didn't happen, but until I find it, I'm going to say probably, probably didn't. That would be something that would make the newspapers again. But the people that remembered this gate, I asked them, was this gate, you know, big and heavy enough that somebody could have hanged themselves from? And they said, oh. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, it was massive gate. So I think, you know, that kind of helps the legend stick um, where the, the seven gates actually came from the legend. I don't know. But like I said, when I first moved here, it wasn't attributed to Toad Road and they weren't seven physical gates. It, it was these mm -hmm. other locations. There's another legend in Hex Hollow. They called the uh, the Devil's Circle. And it works very much the same way. It's supposed to be a circle of stones that people, um, if they went around seven times counterclockwise, so Vittersons, it would open up this this gate to hell, supposedly, and these these creatures would come out and drag them, drag them to hell and so forth. So this legend, um, the variants of this legend are around, but I I haven't found the original source for it, you know, like mm -hmm. this, is, this is where it comes from. It was, it was around before the internet, but after the internet, it got associated with toad road. I, that much I know, but the original source, I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
What do you think of stuff like that? I mean, you know, these stories get told, and they obviously get spread from person to person to person to person. You think it's just part of just creating a fantasy, you know, kind of like a fantasy thing for people to hold on to, or is it just stuff generally where they're going out there with their girlfriends and stuff and making up these stories to, to, to scare them? Maybe a little bit of the second, but I think I think it's more that people, you know, so at at the the bridges I was talking about at Toad Road, mm-hmm. at these locations, I think people are genuinely experiencing weird things, and I you know I talk to witnesses and they're they're shook. You know, when I talk to him, uh-huh. um, so I think it's more of a thing where people start to try to explain these weird experiences. Why? Why do we? Why do we see that ghost there? Why do we see this uh-huh. creature there? Why? Do, why are we seeing hearing screams come from the woods there? And they start to try to explain it, and they come up with these things that are maybe based on, like I said, there was one gate there, right? So maybe, right. And maybe that gets turned into seven gates, and you know, it, it kind of explodes from there, and and. But I do think there's an essential truth to many of these um, local local stories. It's my favorite thing to do anywhere. Uh, you know, I would love to do it in other states too. I just I happen to be located where I am, right. so I love taking these stories and and going out and and sort of breaking them down. Like like how did this story happen and why do people think this? But uh, yeah, the, the the thing I'm getting from most of them is that people are experiencing genuinely strange things. It's just not what these legend tripping stories necessarily are. And I think they're probably just there to explain, try to explain the weird stuff, you know. Right, right. Now you talked earlier about that as you were growing up and how, and it, what, you know, let's be honest, it wasn't hip to see strange things no, for years. No, it didn't no, get hip no. until Ghost Hunters came on TV, you know, and then all that started. Have you noticed now, you know, being as far into to the 2020s that we are, are people more open to come forward with this stuff or are they still kind of reserved? Well, I think they're more open. I think, I think podcasts, you know, like mine and um, several others like Sasquatch Chronicles, which has witnesses on all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and people like yourself who are just talking about this stuff on the regular, I think it's made more, made it more acceptable for people to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, when I started the podcast i used to get a lot of like well now i'm not come, people think i'm crazy and i i don't get that so much anymore every now and then i'll get a guest that won't, will want to change their name or something it's usually because of they're afraid somebody at work will recognize their voice or something mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but a lot less than when i started and that's been like six years and so even in that time i think people have gotten more accepting of it uh i think the way people are talking about it matters now i think there's a lot of people talking about it as you know this is a genuine part of the human experience that that many many people experience this weird stuff whatever it is going Mm -hmm. through life and uh i think people are talking about it and the internet has made it a lot safer to talk about now you Mm -hmm. you get called crazy a lot less it makes sense um when you talk about earlier you talked about phantom lights Mm mm-hmm what do you think creates the Phantom Lights? No clue. No clue. But they're in ghost stories. They're in uh, obviously UFO reports. They go mm-hmm. along with Bigfoot. Yeah, I don't know. Like part of me is like, are lights the sort of essential form of all this stuff? And then, mm-hmm. then they they take these other forms. Like you know, they come out of the lights, or I I don't know. But they're they're such a part of this. I mean, we've had them at the that haunted bridge. We've had them at Toad Road. We've had them, like I said, that place at Site Seven. Um, they, they seem to be, they go hand in hand with this stuff and I wish I knew. And it's the only thing that you can rely, well, not even reliably, it's the only thing you can occasionally photograph, Uh right? Um, creatures almost always come up blurry. I know we've got the Patterson Gimlin film. We can, you can get experts to line up on either side of that, whether it's real or fake, Uh but maybe, maybe not. Um, other photos, there's always people in line, but most of them are blurry. Most of them aren't UFO photos. Most of them, eh, people are like, yeah, maybe it shows something, maybe it doesn't. Again, you okay. can get experts to say this and that. Mm-hmm. But lights, weird light. I've seen some very, very good pictures of strange lights. I've not been lucky capturing them, but I'm not a good photographer. Um, <laughs> most of the time, I don't even try. I just, I'm there to experience stuff. I'm, I'm not even trying to photograph stuff. But <laughs> I've seen some really, really good pictures. Like, oh yeah, that looks like what I saw up there at Site 7 that the people have taken elsewhere. 
Mm-hmm. So that again makes me wonder: is like, is that the essential form? Is that the true form of this stuff? Lights, and then it's somehow overlaying this other stuff over top right. of it. You know, right. I don't know, but they're I I love them. They're fascinating. It's just they're there. They are. I've seen you know my fair share of them, and the ones that stood out for me, and I kind of tried to explain it off because they were floating in a canyon over rushing water, and I thought, well, maybe. You know, there's something to that because the air pressure and all this, you know, two two o'clock in the morning and all this. But then just above where these things are floating, there's a car that's like right on the right on the side of the cliff where somebody had been killed in there. So, I mean, that changes that altogether. What is it? Is it it the people that died in the car or is it the, you know, the the weather conditions that are causing this? Right. Right. Yeah. Or some combination. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I I had uh, a friend of mine who's who. Um, very, very uh, familiar with with uh, the nature around here. He he teaches. Um, sorry, I'm having a, a brain freeze moment. It's all um, good. Uh, he'll te- te- he'll take you out in the woods and teach you what you can eat and what you can foraging. Sorry, that's it. He teaches wild nice. foraging. But he know he really knows the woods. And I'm telling. He heard me talking about this place, Site Seven. He said, "Take me there. I'll tell you what those lights are. I'm sure there's a natural explanation. You got it. Let's go. I'm I'm willing. I, like, if you can explain them." I'm happy to, for an explanation. What I did with him is there's one place in the woods we, where we saw him consistently. I said, let's hike in during the day and sit there and wait till it gets dark and let's see what happens. And that's what we did. The odd thing is usually when we're, when we're there, there's a sort of parking area that we'll just park at and we can watch these lights. Mm-hmm. Things tend to get really spooky sometimes, like really creepy. You can hear things walking around you. We've been grunted at. Um, I've caught like crazy eye shine there. Uh, very, very weird stuff happens, and it gets it gets scary up there. Even even this guy that was with me in the woods that night, mm-hmm. he when we were parked, this is a later time after that. At some point, he's like, "I think we got to go." He's like, "This is getting too creepy." But so I thought if we sit in the woods, I was like, "It's going to get scary." Like just be prepared. Mm-hmm. It was not scary at all. I don't know why. The lights were almost playful. They were coming right up to us. At some point, he was on his knees, reaching up, trying to grab this light and laughing. Because he's like, I can't believe this. He's like, I don't know what these things are. I said, I, I told you. Number one, I told you. There's, I, we can't explain them. But they'd never come close to us like that before. It was very. It was almost like they were interested in us. And they were coming that close. Now, he wasn't able wow. to grab it. But uh, the very interesting thing about that is I saw like a little, just a pinpoint of light looked like an led light that he was reaching for i was about six feet to his side watching him Mm -hmm. on his knees like reach up to try to grab this thing he told me he saw like a like a golf ball size light just hovering right in front of him so was it the angle or were we seeing something different i don't know right i I, I don't know with that but yeah that was a really neat night i was i was honestly ready to be scared (laughs) that night like it's going to get creepy in here Mm -hmm. Whatever this is, it's going to, and it was, it ended up being fun. It was like very playful and, and fun. And um, I don't know if that's the difference. Like we went to them versus mm-hmm. uh, having them come to us or, or what, but yeah. So he, he left a believer. He said, I don't know what those are. I don't know what those are. I said, well, that's, you know, you're being honest. Cause I don't know what they are either. See, that really interests me. You know, like those phantom lights, that's something that really intrigues me to try to figure out. Like you say, exactly what they are and what's causing them. Because they're mm-hmm. all, like you say, they're all over. I mean, mm-hmm. there's so many reports of these things. Let's talk about Sasquatch a little bit. Love um, to. Pennsylvania is kind of like California, you know, NorCal here, and that there's a lot of wood, you know, wood, woodsy areas. Mm-hmm. And why do you think, and this, this is on a whole, we'll talk about like, uh, like a blanket on the US. Why do you think these things? They are in the woods. I mean, are, are they there hiding? Are there big? Do you think there's big populations of them, or what do you think? Uh, so I'm in the you know, if you talk about the flesh and blood versus the woo camp, um, mm-hmm. I'm I'm going to fall closer to the woo camp, and that is just because of where I live. Mm-hmm. We don't have vast uh, stretches of wilderness mm-hmm. here. In fact, there's very little of it. Where, where I am in the in South Central Pennsylvania, we have tons of woods. Don't get me wrong, a lot of woods, but wilderness, not a lot. 
if there was a breeding population here, they would leave a mark on the landscape. Uh, they have to eat something that big, has a big brain. Uh, you know, they're, they're smart. They're not dumb uh-huh. things. Whatever they are, they're not dumb. They're very smart. To power a big brain, you need a lot of calories. A lot, a lot mm-hmm. of calories. They're not cooking their food. We cook our food. The reason we do that is we get the most from every calorie. Mm-hmm. Um, most of us do. I know there are people who eat only raw food, but most of us cook our food. And that's why. If the mountain gorilla with the body their size and their bulk had our brain, put one of our brains in there, and they still ate the way they do, you know, foraging for food, they would not have enough time in the day to provide for that brain by foraging. Mm-hmm. They just wouldn't. You need mm-hmm. a lot of, to power a big brain, you need a lot of calories. So I think we'd be seeing forest fires, or not forest, but campfires all around. These mm-hmm. things cooking their food. I think we'd see a lot more impact on, you know, people losing livestock and things like that mm-hmm. because they would need to eat and they need to power that brain. Something else is going on. And that's what puts me in, in that sort of woo camp. I don't know what they are. They might, in fact, be a natural animal. I'm not saying that, mm-hmm. but if they are, they're so different from everything else on the planet. They have so many evolutionary advantages that they might mm-hmm. as well be paranormal at that point because there's nothing else like them out there. There's nothing mm-hmm. else like, like these things out there. So that's why I come down in like the, the you know, quote unquote woo camp. Now, I'm not going to tell you they're from another dimension that, you know, aliens dropped them off here. I don't know. And anyone who does, does they know they I mean, bring bring your receipts because, right. you know, uh, but this is just like the, as I'm looking at at the mystery. Mm-hmm. Um, this is my feeling on it. Uh, and it's like I said, I and especially living here, I get I get called out on Bigfoot reports all the time, all times a year. Mm-hmm. They're not they're not nomadic they're not just going through the area at certain times a year mm-hmm. um and some of these places where people are experiencing them are like there's not a lot of not a ton of woods and we're having multiple encounters in essentially woods with neighborhoods around them you know uh usually there's a avenue in you know to, by the river or by creeks or so forth that mm-hmm. if you really wanted to be like well they snuck in that way but why are they coming in there again and again it's, it makes no sense so yeah um whatever they are they're very very strange and strange stuff goes along with them uh ufo reports odd shaped footprints and yeah you get we've got great footprint evidence fantastic footprint evidence that by all measurements looks like something real and alive left these footprints but i always point out how did people hunt ghosts in the 1950s they put talcum powder down and they'd wait for right footprints. right same thing if you look at a what they call a class b bigfoot encounter where people don't see an animal mm-hmm. they either get screamed at or they smell something bad or something paces them through the woods they don't see they get things thrown at them this is poltergeist activity it's just happening in the woods not in people's houses right one to one poltergeist activity in fact they will pick up stones that they said bigfoot threw at them and they say oh they're warm well read about poltergeist encounters where people get stones thrown at them in their own house and they pick them up and they're warm. It's the same thing happening in the woods. It's happening in people's houses. Why is that? Mm-hmm. You know, you have no, if you're a class B Bigfoot encounter, you really have no proof of a Bigfoot. What you're having is a poltergeist experience in the woods. Mm-hmm. This stuff is weird. It's truly weird. I love it. <laughs> it becomes more interesting to me the weirder it gets, really. Now, you talked about the gentleman. That, that won't talk to you anymore as far as con- possibly contacting, you know, some kind of cryptid. What case other than that stands out to you when you're investigating a Bigfoot? Um, as far as like cases I've investigated, mm-hmm. there was, um, there was one that, that I absolutely love. And again, this sort of illustrates the, the, the weirdness of the phenomenon. I called me up locally and he said, saw Bigfoot yesterday. I said, well, I'll be there tomorrow. I'm, you know, I'll be out there. And I go out to his place and he, he lived uh, in a rural area in, in the mountains here. He had a little pond on this property. He said he saw Bigfoot across the pond. He saw two of them stand across the pond. And this guy, I said, well, I'm going to go over there. I said, well, you want to walk over there with me and show me where he saw him? He's like, nope, I'm not walking over there. I said, all right, so I'll walk over there. I said, I, yeah, I have my walking stick with me. I said, I'm going to raise it up. You tell me how tall they were. I said, first of all, tell me where to stop, where they were standing. 
So mm-hmm. he's, you know, I go over there. He says, stop there. And I raise up my walking stick. And he says, they were about that tall. It was about eight foot tall. One was a little shorter than the other. And uh, I put my walking stick down. And I, I looked down. And I found a, a perfectly clean deer skull right where he said the creatures were standing, which is interesting. I, it's another long story. But I, I found for about two years, almost every paranormal investigation I went in, went on, I found a, a perfectly clean skull, animal skull of uh, one sort or another. But anyway, this was one of them. I found this perfectly clean deer skull sitting right there. Mm-hmm. I go back over and I'm asking them, you know, all the regular Bigfoot questions, you know, what was the weather like? Do you have any other activity? Blah, blah, blah. And at the end, I asked, and this is one of the things I always ask. I said, what else weird happens around here now? Very few times have I asked someone, particularly when it happens around their house, that they've said nothing. That's it. That's the only weird thing. Almost every time I will get, well, there's I, my neighbor saw a UFO or my house is haunted. A lot of times you get, well, my house is haunted. Uh, okay. And he says, my house is haunted and I have photos. I said, oh, bring them out. I'd love to see them. So he goes and gets the photo. He says, he says my house is haunted by big, hairy bikers. I'm like, what? And he starts showing me these pictures. And they look like ghost pictures. They're very kind of hazy, you know, smoky kind of figures. Mm-hmm. And he's seeing bikers. He's, and he says, see that one? That, that guy's wearing, wearing glasses. He's wearing big sunglasses. I'm seeing Bigfoot. I'm looking at these photos. Right. And I'm hazy Bigfoot, big hairy, big eyes. And I'm like, you see a biker? And he's like, yeah. I said, do you want to know what I see? I'm seeing Bigfoot, man. He's like, what? And he looks at it again. He's like, oh, I guess that could be Bigfoot. And then he starts telling me, like, yeah, sometimes these ghosts walk on my roof, which is a Bigfoot thing. And it's just very, very interesting, very cool uh, sighting that kind of combine these these things that, that I talk about. And I absolutely loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, very, very cool. And he had some follow-up sightings as well. I think his, his uh, partner or wife, I'm not sure if they were married saw a, a white creature along the power lines uh, near their house shortly thereafter. And uh, I, I need to contact them and see if they've had any more, more sightings recently, but really, really cool. I, I just love that with the, once he brought the photos out, I was like, wow, really cool. How frequent are this? Or do you know how, how frequent the sightings are? Um, it depends. It seems like it depends on the year. Uh, during, I thought I'd get a bunch during the pandemic. I, it really slowed down during the pandemic. The year before the pandemic, I was getting two or three calls a month. It was fantastic. I loved it. I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm going out quite frequently to talk to people. This was like throughout the spring and through the early summer Mm -hmm. uh, months. I was getting two or three calls a month, maybe one call uh, a month or every other month for the rest of that year. It was great. And it's really slowed down now. I've gotten maybe one um in 2023 i'd have to think if that i've gotten the the report of one but it happened earlier and i'm trying to remember Mm -hmm. if i have any any current reports so it seems like it depends on the year almost like it's you know i don't know why that is but it'll slow Mm -hmm. down and and, uh and get busier sometimes i'm hoping for a busy year coming up like hopefully out of all the mysteries and phenomena you know in pennsylvania which one to you stands out the most? Is it Sasquatch or is it something else? It's the it's the combination of of things. Like I said, Stan Gordon in the nineteen well early nineteen seventies, mm-hmm. he started collecting these reports of Bigfoot and UFOs together, and absolutely fascinating, absolutely fascinating. I haven't gotten any where they're directly together. I like I said, I've had people tell me they've seen Bigfoot and a UFO at separate times, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. none where they've seen like the UFO hovering over the Bigfoot kind of thing, but. No, I think that's absolutely fascinating, and Stan's uh, done some great work. Well, I do have my theory, like like you do, about Bigfoot and the UFOs, and what you know the theory. The theory that I have is because they've been obviously doing tests on us for so long with these abductions, and I think that Big, Bigfoot Sasquatch may have been a test that just didn't quite work out the, the way they expected, mm-hmm. and they went ahead and released them, and they were fruitful and multiplied. You know, that's this is why we have the situation. You know, but yeah. um, that's how, that, that, that's what I that, that, that's just my feeling, my, my I mean, opinion about it. I mean, I don't yeah. know, but I'm just saying, you know. Yeah, none of us know. I mean, yeah, it's it's you know, I'm willing to entertain any of these theories because until we know for sure, right? Um, you know, I'm, I'll I'll take anybody's theory and and test it. But yeah, I mean, that's 
that one to me, you know, I've, I've heard people say similar and that's, that's just a creepy idea to me. I don't know why. Mm -hmm. It's because I don't like aliens. That's why. <laughs> Not a fan of them. Question in the chat room is can a boat, can a ghost be captured? Mm, I would doubt it, but I, you know, I, I don't know. Who knows? Not as yet, right? Has anybody? Well, I guess people have said they've, you know, caught them in boxes and stuff, and people have these haunted boxes and so forth. But I would, I don't, I would think that would be more like the 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 energy or more the the, the spirits deciding to haunt whoever is in possession mm -hmm. of that item mm -hmm. more so than than the actual spirit being caught inside. But I'm not sure. Yeah, that's a great, I, great question. I, I agree. Nobody has boxes like. Like on Ghostbusters. Nobody has right. boxes, magic boxes to grab these things, magic lasers. Yeah, yeah. You know, we just have to get lucky. This hour has blown by, and I thank you for coming on. Oh, thanks for having me. I, I really enjoyed it. I would love to have you on to talk about UFOs and stuff if you want. Sure thing. Let on me know. Day. Okay. Me All right, cool. Where can people find you, sir? Strangefamiliars.com. That's my podcast. All the links there go to me. There's links to my books and everything there. So strangefamiliars.com. And you have a podcast, correct? Yes. Yep. It's called Strange Familiars. Same name. All right. Well, All right. thank you very much. I won't keep you. I know it's it's, it's kind of late for you over there, but uh, I just uh, I, I can't thank you enough. It was fascinating sure. to talk to you. Thanks for having me. All right. Have a good one. You as well. All right. That was fascinating, you know, because it's, it's not only California that has these things going on. It's all over the U.S. Tomorrow, uh, Karen Clark will be here with me, and we'll be talking about uh, two, two topics, actually. PTSD, and we'll be also talking about haunted objects. So uh, be sure to come in for that. That'll be 6.30 p.m. Pacific tomorrow. Same place, same thing, right? Uh, a little tired today. I was working late last night. I'm always working late on this stuff, and uh, sometimes, I, sometimes I just don't nap right during the day. But anyway... I want to thank him for coming on once again. I want to thank everybody that's been listening in. Everybody on the RSS feed, you know, over at iHeartRadio and all those different places. Thank you. Thank all you guys for coming in to watch tonight, you know, watch every night. And I, I appreciate each and every one of you. As you can see, there's a thing flashing across the bottom of the screen. And we're starting a new program. And our live psychic readings, we, we had those last night with Nancy Matz. And we're going to be taking those over to the Patreon site which is a more private site for those readings. So maybe if, if you have information that you don't quite want out in public, but you'd still like a reading about, you can have it done there. There's three levels at Patreon. There's a $5 level, there's a $10 level, and there's a $15 level. The beautiful part of all this is, is depending on what level you join, that's how long you have for a psychic reading. So if you join the $5 level, that's a five-minute psychic reading. If you join the $10 level, that's a $10 psychic reading. $15 level is a 15-minute psychic reading. And you can ask the psychic, who's, it's probably going to be Nancy Matz or Karen Clark, You, because you know, they're going to trade off. But you can ask them questions throughout the readings as well to clarify stuff. So there's a lot more time to do that as opposed to doing a quick two-minute reading, you know, on camera, like like we did last night. So uh, but the, I think you guys enjoy it. And, and not only that, when I do a pre-recorded interview, uh, I usually record them two weeks like out, right? So that means I put them on the Patreon. So the Patreon members actually get to see the interviews before they end up coming physically onto this show in this format. So that's another plus. Plus, we do do interviews with our guests that people really like. And it's and we go back over the Patreon, interview them with Q&As, and you're able to ask them questions one-on-one. -on -one. You know, questions that maybe I didn't ask that you wanted to ask. So uh, that's another plus for the Patreon. Come on over, check it, check it out. You'll see a bunch of interviews over there. And you can reach that at uh, patreon.com forward slash California Haunts Radio. All right, that being said, if you like the show, share it with five people. If you hated the show, share it with five of your enemies. We are equal opportunity here. So uh, please be sure to uh, get the word out. That, that, that's all we ask is that uh, you get the word out and join us and, and subscribe and do all that good stuff. I want to thank everybody for coming in tonight. I really appreciate it. And I'm going to give you some of his information so uh, you know where to find him. And then we're going to get out of here. So here we go. Okay, you have two websites, theflowerpath.com and strangefamiliars.com.
the books beyond the seventh gate which cloud don't look behind you and where the footprints end Another Weather Footprints End series and Bigfoot, West Coast Wildman. And he also has a Bigfoot book that he didn't put up about Bigfoot in Pennsylvania. You can either get those from his website or just hang, you know, cruise over to Amazon and uh, grab it and get them from there. All right, guys, I'm out. I'm going to go get some rest and uh, hope you have a great rest of your evening. Let me do this and cue it up and see ya.